I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. Well, hi, Travis. How you doing today, buddy? Hey, man. I'm uh, I'm pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm great, man. I am absolutely fantastic. Heard you uh, you, you did Gen Con somewhere some recently, right? I did, and uh, it was amazing and produced several topics that we will probably talk about months down the road when I've forgotten exactly what it is we're supposed to be talking about. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, I'm glad to hear that all went well and got, got us some topics on the list, uh, on, on the table, I guess. We should always be calling it a table because it's a random table. It is, um, in fact, on the table. It's not you, wanna, true. You, you feel like telling, telling everybody what, uh, what we rolled up this week? Absolutely. So this week, we are talking about something that I particularly enjoy. I say that a lot, but I mean it a lot. And this one is the value of hate in design. This is so important to me. And it's probably something that when I say it, most people go, I don't even know what like, you mean. What are you talking about? Yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> sounds very polarizing. I don't, I'm not, really not even sure what you're, what you're getting at here, buddy. All right. Um, so, so yeah, explain it. Sure. So let me tell you, Trav, and and our audience exactly what I mean. So there's a really great sort of series of articles written by Mark Rosewater, who's the head designer for Magic. And he gave a talk at the Game Developers Conference, and he talks about how if you make a game that a lot of people like and no one hates, your game will fail. And it's an interesting take. Yes. And the reason that that's true is because the market is simply too full for games that people just like. Okay. People have to love it. There has to be some element of the game that they don't just like, they love because that's what's going to make them play it. And more importantly, that's what's going to make them keep playing it okay all right and the only way you get things that people love is by having things that people hate in your game that seems funny to say but it's absolutely true okay i'll, I'll make this very real in magic terms okay um counterspell counterspell is mm -hmm. such an easy example the classic counterspell, two blue. Yeah, two blue counters a spell. Yeah. Counters a spell. Prevents it from being cast, right? Doesn't matter how big it is. Person could have sunk 12 mana into some insane spell, right? For two blue, you go, nope. Not happening. Now. Yeah, it's a big deal, right? It is. Now, people hate. Some people hate. In fact, many people hate counterspell. Right, because it's a, it's a, it will completely shut down someone else's um, machine. Like they built this machine, you know, yep. this deck into a machine that's supposed to run with all of these specific parts. But yep. when you, when you're, you start, you know, your opponent gets to decide which of those parts you get to play with. That's a big problem. It's one would think, but here's the trick. They and they've done things with counterspell. Like counterspell in its original version doesn't exist anymore in anything outside of the eternal formats, right? Um. But and so in like the newer formats, counter spells often have caveats like counter target spell of casting cost four or less or four or more or return it to the player's hand or creature spell or or it just costs more mana. 
Like, you know, right. it's now three mana base for a counter spell mm -hmm. when it's printed or whatever. It's all very, very different from the, the base original intended idea of the, the actual card. Yeah, but it still exists in some form. Like the hard counter spell at three mana still often pops up in sets. And the reason it stays around, even though people hate it, is because some group of people freaking love it. They don't yeah, I'm, just I'm certainly one of them. Yeah. They don't just like it. They love it. Love it. Right. And they base their machines, uh, the, their decks on these these uh, specific things that many people hate. Yep. So love hate. Um yeah, like like the, the two exist there. Yes. And I, I think the lesson here is this. I think it's easy when you're designing a game to try to pitch down the middle. Okay. It's actually very easy. It's probably what uh, a lot of very new designers might try to do uh, in a lot of cases. You know, they might fall into this trap of just trying to cater to everyone as opposed to trying to, you know, cater to what, what makes the game actually better. Exactly. Because that's sort of your, your thought is like, I don't want anybody to hate this. So some, some, yeah. yeah. Some people might hate this. Some people might hate that. I'll, I'll cut this out. But what you do is you water the whole experience down, right? Because you've got to have some things that people are going to hate because those are the things that other people are going to love. And that's what keeps them coming back to the trough. Those, uh, so in, in like England, they have a saying that it's like, it's a Marmite thing. It, love, hate, right? That's what it means. Like ev nobody just is okay on Marmite. They all, it's like a Vegemite type of thing, I guess. Um, you either love it or hate it. So having those kinds of elements in your game is really important. And when people, when you play test your game with people and they're like, I really hate this. Mm -hmm. Don't just be like, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's the, the problem is it's like kind of like most fast food. It's very forgettable. You know, it's, it's like, why, like you're not going to remember, you know, eating, eating some McDonald's or whatever, you know, several weeks later, but you will remember getting a really good meal at a sit down restaurant or, you may you may get a really really bad meal, which will stick in your mind even more at like the at some random Waffle House esque place, you know, on a long road trip, which just has you know they serve you a, a plate of grease, you know, and you're right. just like, uh, this is the worst thing ever. And then you tell that story again and again because it was the worst food ever. So it makes an impact. Yep. Yeah, it's it's such a good point, and and I think the key is it's not about having just this one element. You've got to think about your the sort of profiles of who's playing your game, right? It, we, we've talked about, you know, some psychographic profiling and stuff before, but the idea is you want to spread it around, you know? Um, Have bits that each each of those profiles can, can latch onto and love or hate. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, to return to magic, you take the counterspell, well, the answer to that is... Uh, the, the counter to that is something that people also might hate or love, and that is like hyper fast creatures right just like an exploding aggressive deck that's so fast the counterspell deck can't can't stabilize they're mm -hmm. just they're in the dirt before they get to really stabilize. yeah before they get their third mana to be able to cast that flat counterspell right um yeah that's that's interesting are, are there any are there any parallels in uh in a uh in an rpg that you can think of like thing like can, can you think of a like maybe a very polarizing rule um in a game uh, I can. in a tabletop RPG. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I, I can. say polarizing because I want to hear both. You know, someone loves it and hates it. Obviously, sure. 
Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, the inclusion of weird races into the newer editions of D and D. By and by weird, you mean like which, like pick, like non non standard top first six. You know what I mean? Like yes, yeah. Tiflings, Dragonborn, yeah. right? Dragonborn, yeah, non Tolkien esque um, basics. Yep the 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 inclusion of the monk, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. or the warlock. I hate those things. I really do. I hate the monk. I hate the warlock. I, I'm not a big fan of them as being included into a specific uh, fantasy type thing. Like, obviously, I'm not a. I, I like I like a kind of. Um, I hate to say pure um, because that just sounds racist or something. That sounds but, pretty terrible. Uh, yes, but you yeah, mean classic. Awful. Yeah, I mean classic fan, a classical fantasy vision. So, like things you would see in like you know Excalibur or Tolkien. Um, and you don't usually see the the more Eastern influences, you know, in those things. Um, and then having them suddenly appear in a high fantasy game, it feels a little strange. Right. So the trick is, I hate them, certainly. Right. Um, it's something that I, and, and I don't mean any offense to people. That's just it. People so easily get offended when you say you hate the thing they love. I'm not, I'm not bagging on your fun. I don't want them removed from the game. Not at all. Because I recognize their value. I th- they make the game stronger because even though I am a person that hates them, okay, uh, there is a person sitting at my regular table every week that loves Tiflings, right? Loves everything about them, plays them almost every time. Why? Because it's what puts gas in the engine, right? It gets his mind going. He loves the idea of the thing. It's a passion for him. Why would I want to ruin his fun? It. I just don't play it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And the same could go for any any of those those weird races that kind of pop up in our RPG games that are set in fantasy settings. Obviously. Um. You know, like like I don't like I don't like Warforged. You know, I'm not. A, I hate Warforged. <laughs> I think they're terrible. I think it's a a thing that shouldn't be included. It's way too steampunky and not. It's not even not fantasy like for me. Right. Um. But I know so many people that love them. Like love everything about them. They love the idea of playing a robot. So. Uh, all right, you know, I mean, if it makes them happy, that's great. That's that's something for them to enjoy. Why not? It's it's a really good point. There there are people who love those Warforged, man. They they love them, can't get enough. But yes, and, and that leads to the second key of how to properly use hate in your game design, which is don't or or limit how much you force it on people. So hate is best when it can be deployed carefully Mm -hmm. hate as an option yes hate as an option that's a great way to put it i hate dragonborn nobody in general i mean for the most part right i'm not saying this would never happen but for the most part dms don't come up to me with game ideas and go all right is what we're gonna do we're gonna play a game of all dragonborn like (laughs) yeah no that doesn't happen very often no i'm sure right I th- I'm sure it has happened, but sure. it's not. I mean, it's as common as saying, you know, you get here's a here's a full. You know, we're only only gonna play halflings. That's what all we're gonna play this game. You know, it just doesn't happen very often. But it's probably even less common. I bet the all halfling yeah. game happens way more than the all dragonborn. We're all gonna play monks. What? Man, that's a weird game. Would that be a weird game? Yeah, I mean, that that's just it. So it's optional. I can engage with it or not. 
as I see fit, right? As, as per what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's a very important part of of hate in game design. I think you you have to understand and give ways for your players to not engage with that. Here here's an easy example. When we talk about other mechanics, let's say let's say you like really really complex magic systems. Like you want a super complex crazy some kind of arcs and weave depth spell points kind of thing or what yeah yeah sure man make it whatever you like you know just go all out like something just bonkers like you got to get out an abacus you gotta you gotta have an advanced physics degree right whatever like you know whatever you want to however hyper however full of hyperbole i don't know how to say that you want to be um if that's fine if that's how you want your magic system to be great do that but understand that you made it into a love-hate thing know that and steer into it put some other options in that have some really weird cost you know benefit change that let people use the magic system very simply but at a different kind of cost or in a different way or with different restrictions so like the guy the, the person the guy or gal who wants to to go all out and and really get into the system feels rewarded for it but the person who wants to experience the fun of magic can still do so they just have to they're just using it in a different way right i think probably a, a simple um a simple like like explanation of this would be like just <laughs> dnd wizard versus sorcerer right there's two very different implementations of the same magic system yep, yep. some people some people like that that sorcery kind of casting and some people prefer you know your standard wizard um, I don't even like. I don't even think sorcerer existed before third edition did it, or or it didn't exist in like an official form. That kind of uh, casting, right? Spell casting mechanic, um, correct? Yep. Sorcerer was so sorcerer was created by I'm gonna I think it was Rich Baker. Um, if I'm misquoting that, I apologize to whomever did it, but I believe it was Rich Baker and several other people. And and it was is in the third edition design when basically they looked at the back of the book saw that one third plus of the player's handbook was spells and said, isn't it weird that we only have like one or two classes really using this? <laughs> it is strange, right? Um, yeah. When you look at that, having a, like a nine class spread and then only one of the classes or two of the classes taking advantage of that massive part of the book. Yeah. Right. Right. Anyways, I think that uh, I think, I think wizard and sorcerer, some people could love or hate the, the, two, the two different ways those things work. So that's probably what you're talking about, I think. Yep, that's what I'm talking about. And you could go more extreme, right? But yes, that is yeah, that's exactly a, that is certainly a down the middle um, explanation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, apologize it's okay. for not not using enough hate uh, there. <laughs> you could have went wizard and fifth edition warlock. That's yeah. even, that's an even more extreme example. Um, but yes, um, you know, I think of like here's here's something I bag on a lot. Let's talk about classic Shadowrun. Okay. Yeah. Physical adept and yes, and, then, and also magician. Sure. And shaman. <laughs> yep. Um, but consider the things like deckers and riggers, right? Um, I I hate those classes. I think they're so stupid. And and I don't I don't want to play them ever. But but there are people who just love the idea, mm-hmm. and 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 it makes the world for them. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. And, that, and they're cool. Um. For those people that enjoy those things, and I understand your your point of view. You know, there are reasons why it's not 
not so great, not a great implementation of those ideas, perhaps. Um, but uh, as long as people love them, it's a good thing that they exist. So there's there's some more hate, I guess. Yeah, I think you can do it at both, like all over throughout the book. I think it's about having this spread of things, and I think the real key is is you can't be afraid of that hate, and it speaks to why you know we we've mentioned before, kind of in the design phase of the book. But it really does behoove you to have more playtesting than just, you know, your friend group, right? Mm -hmm. you, because, you, and, and to not just go with one set of opinions, you want to get that data set as large as you can. And what you want to look for is those spikes. Yeah, the yin-yang trend where people hate this and love it. <laughs> yes. you the, If you find some stuff that is producing a reverse bell curve, Right. Where everybody who rates it sort of one through five or whatever. If if you have mechanics, a lot of things people are rating it as a three standard bell curve. Right. It, it centers on the three. Great. You should have some of that. And I, I don't mean to say that you should try to make every single element of your book this weird Marmite thing, because that's that's going to be too much noise. Right. But those things that are gold that'll make people keep coming back is when you see those one five spreads. Right. When you see something where you've got just enough one and just enough five. Mm -hmm. I will say that you got to be careful, right? There's probably a percentage here. I don't know what it is, but if it comes back like 95, one and 5% fives, you know, one being the yeah. worst, five being the best. You probably want to go back to the drawing board on that one. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you need to have some kind of moderate view of your hate of your, of your not, not moderate uh statistics um yeah you kind of you gotta you gotta you gotta you still gotta be careful of what you what you what you're putting in your books so yes this isn't a license to just go insane right and be like everybody hates it but i don't care i'm a genius like okay there's nothing in this book that people just think is okay right take it down kanye we get it um you know it's it's about yeah, it's funny to say, but you're right. You want like a moderate, <laughs> you want a moderated extremism. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you can get it at 50-50 or even 60-40 toward the positive, perfect. Mm -hmm. Molto bene. I, I just feel like like you have these those extreme things in your game, like the things that you know really draw people in or turn them away, I suppose, uh, at the same turn of the coin. But you also need to have some kind of other frameworks involved in your game that kind of disappear into the background so they don't get in the way of people enjoying and hating those other things. Yep. So that's that's I think that's what to keep in mind. No, you're exactly right. Because what this does when you have and this these, is like deep theory, so maybe it's not making a lot of sense. But. No, it makes perfect sense. When you've got because here's here's what's happening when you create these Marmite love hate items, right? You're creating like a, a bell that's ringing, right? Where everybody pays attention to it and cares about it and thinks about it and argues on forums about it and talks about it at conventions and whatever, right? Um, if they're, they, they can't do that about every element of the book, right? If every element of the book is a, it's like using a highlighter, right? Do you ever yeah. watch somebody in school, like taking notes with a highlighter in their book and they're just, highlighting every single line of every single paragraph. Mm. And I'm like, that's, you're not, yeah, you're not doing anything for yourself there. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to help you in the future. 
<laughs> right. You've done nothing except make your book yellow. Congratulations. Um, the that's the key. You've got to have that stuff that just falls into the background. And and most of the time it should be the things that just work. So like if your game is not about lifting heavy objects or something, which yeah, that's a weird game. It can easily be a forgettable mechanic, but a working mechanic. Right. It can just work like, oh, I need to roll a number, you know, under my strength or 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 whatever. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Right. Or or at a target DC, just something that's straight. It's rote. It works. It's not nobody argues about it. It's just like, mm -hmm. OK, go. Right. Great. Um, yeah, go ahead. that's good. Uh, no, I was going to say uh, that that all sounds really good. Do you have any final thoughts on that, on this whole hate thing? Because uh, this because this took a completely different direction than I was than I was thinking. This uh, this whole thing was going to go. I was like, man, hate in design. Does it mean like like you just you have to hate your readers and you really you, you really want to hurt them with your game? <laughs> but that's not the way we went. That's not the way we went. No, 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 uh, not at all. You should never hate your readers. Or you're you're writing for them. Certainly, the key is remember that your readers aren't one big amorphous mass. They're a bunch of uh, of individuals or or groups at the very least with different psychographic profiles. And you need to write for those specific groupings because that's what's going to pay you the best. And don't be afraid when you write something for group A, if group B hates it, who cares? This isn't for you. This is for group A, right? So yeah, that's what I would say. Don't be afraid of the hate. Use it to your advantage. Don't be afraid of hate in game design. Yeah, otherwise, but otherwise be nice to people and, you know, be, be, be cool with people and don't hate anybody because that hate's bad. So that's undesign. <laughs> that's undesigned. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, email is down below. We always love questions, requests, anything like that. So just hit that up, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, if you hate us, send us an email. There you go. Bye.